And you know what? She wasn't concerned about the doctors. She knew she was a sinner. She knew she needed a savior. And she often had to go to the throne of grace. Hours before she died, she asked me, gee, I've been such a poor mother. Is there grace for me? That's the kind of Christian I want. That's why I want to hear preached. I want hearts turned and changed so they too will know this kind of a Jesus. Not some highfalutin words and terminologies and that kind of stuff. You know, in 1994, when Dave Lappy and Herb Jarvie came to Hawkinson, there were so many hearts changed because of Dave Lappy's simple, down-to-earth preaching. And you know what? The testimony of those hearts that were changed is still with us today. Many, many. And oh, how I thank God we have those still with us. Oh, may we review these things and ask God to have mercy upon us. We are in the last day. We see the devil around us and within us. He is there. He's always tormenting us. But there is one who's more powerful than him. And him we want to know. Amen. What's the title? What's the title of the book you're reading? Formula conquered. Formula conquered, yes. What does that mean? It's a formula uh, of doctrine that has been written by the reformers. And of conquered means that they were all in agreement on That's what right. the church teaches. That's right. All these old preachers from the old times agreed on all these doctrines. That's right. So they were brought together. Right? That's what conquered is. Agreement. That's what conquered means. <clears throat> That's what we should be preaching, right? Another thing I want to address, sorry about my voice, but I've heard you say, I preach quite a few times tonight. You know, I would hate to hear myself preach up there. I hate myself as far as my flesh. I wouldn't want to hear myself. I don't want to hear the Holy Spirit. Maybe we should leave our flesh in the bench when you go up there to preach. Right? Yeah, that's uh, for the council. That's good. Because none of us have anything good to say as of ourselves. It's only through the Holy Spirit. You know, if we look how Jesus preached, his first sermon is in the um, Sermon on the Mount. It starts out with the Beatitudes. <coughs> you know, when he's, he talks about all the blessed things, that there will reveal original sin way more than if we tell people they have original sin. You know, if I, got, if I can tell my boy he's did this and this and such and such and it's wrong, he goes, yeah, because he's young, he's under my authority. But if I can show him, according to the Bible, that this is wrong, that will make a lasting impression on his life. See what I mean? Yeah. We have to remember, too, though, that the preaching of John preceded the preaching of Christ. Right, and it's the preaching of John, the Beatitudes, when they enter the heart. John laid the axe to the root of the tree. Christ yeah. is the healer. Yeah. Life 
definitely want to keep it simple, like Gene and these guys have been saying. And, and we know I love Dave Lappy's um, speaking and Tim Ojulas and some of these men. They're simple, they're practical, they convict us and comfort us. We agree with that. You know, and on the other hand, these men preach doctrinally too. Like it is according to sound doctrine. There is such a thing as doctrine. And um, Paul instructed Timothy to continue thou in the doctrine. For in, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Speaking, teaching, preaching, it's all got to be according to doctrine. Otherwise, it's, it'd be better not to preach, speak, or teach. It has to be according to doctrine. Of course, we keep it simple and, and so forth, but it's got to be according to doctrine. Um, another small point I'd make is in the book of Acts, um, the men of Berea were considered more noble than those of Thessalonica. Um, in this, that they, when they heard the word preached, they went and searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so. That was considered more noble. The Holy Spirit considered that more noble. And what that means is, if they weren't just doubting the, you know, the preachers, they answered to their hearts. So they wanted to go and seek and, and find more things. But it shows this, that they wanted to know for sure that they weren't just stirred emotionally. They wanted to know that it was according to doctrine, according to what God's Word actually says. And they searched the scriptures daily, whether these things were so. That's it for now. Yeah, I was just, I was just, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I've heard a lot of different things about it and back and forth. And I heard both sides, and I'm, I'm just wondering, like, like we had to ha have this meeting here. We had to like schedule a meeting to talk about these things. And I've heard false accusations from both sides about about these issues. And I'm wondering why, why can't? I mean, everybody's adults. Why can't we like have this meeting right at church, right after church here? You know, everybody get together and just speak what how you feel. Instead of, you know, you have to make a special meeting in order to talk about how you feel or, or these issues. How come we, we can't just, you know, be real men and, and, and brothers in Christ and, and talk about these things, you know, with each other all the time? And not talk about them and then go figure out whether they're right or wrong or whether he really meant this or not. Even the people that preach seem like, you know, they, they have flesh and they have corruption and all these things. And sometimes they will say things that they, you know, maybe put it in a wrong way or however they say it. So... Let's, let's talk to them about them. If there's something we're like, holy cow, you know, I don't agree with that. What is this all about? Well, why can't we just call them up or talk to them? That's how free we are, you know, in Christ. We, we can just all discuss it together after in the fellowship hall. That's where we have food served and everything. So I think it's a little bit weird that we have to have this, you know, special meeting to discuss these things. We should, we should all have be bold enough in Christ and bold enough in our faith and, and in, in ourselves and to go and discuss them with the preacher, whoever we disagree with right there, instead of causing contention by talking behind people's backs or, you know, about somebody behind their back. It seems, I don't know, it just seems like childish and, and wrong. It's like busybodying, and we know that that's wrong. That would be a great idea, Andrew. That'd be wonderful. You don't have the luxury to set aside a block of time like this. This is a minister's meeting, so to me, it's a no. And I'm not saying there's something bad about the meeting. I, I love this. I, I like that that we can get together and talk. I love it. 
But we all have phones. But it's that, that some of the terms aren't defined. Some of the accusations aren't true. Some of this stuff should have been settled before the meeting, exactly what was said, what terms were used, what they mean, things of that nature. And it's both sides, too. It's not one side. It's both, both of them. I've heard accusations from both sides, and I knew they were false. And, and I thought to myself, what, what is this all about? And, and you know, I, I called Brian yesterday on, on something I heard, and, and, and um, I'm sure, you know, there was both. It, was, it wasn't just one side. It's both. And I think that, that that's, a, that's pretty shameful for, for us as Christians and to call each other brothers in Christ and then slander them behind their back without, you know, there's nothing wrong with speaking truth if this is how the person truly believes. But I think it should first be discussed with that person to find out, is this what he really meant? And then figure it out. And if, he, if that's what he really meant, there's nothing wrong with discussing something that is, if it's, uh, if it's truly how that person felt and how he, what he meant and what, what he believes, I don't think there's anything wrong with talking about that then. But until you figure it out, maybe keep it to yourself. So, Andrew, you don't think Steve is unapproachable? Absolutely not, no. Thank you. I can't even run very fast. Some people feel he is. Feel he's unapproachable. matters haven't been heard it's not in my judgment that they're not true but how to say and how to preach what our elders and forefathers preached and taught how to preach without ignoring the truths that they spoke and I'll read two little excerpts from Luther's sermons that he preached to the whole church for example and people had no problem with it. they understood these matters Two separate sermons. This dumb, deaf, blind, and demon-possessed man represents all the children of Adam who through the flesh are possessed of Satan in original sin so that they must be his slaves and do according to his will. And from another sermon. Here he shows us both heaven and hell, death and life, wrath and grace, and reveals unto us our sins and ruined condition so that we may be awakened on account of it. Because we hear that a man, as soon as he is born, naturally belongs to the devil and is condemned. This is part of this constraint by which one is terrified at the wrath of God and desires grace and help from him. So I don't want to forsake the instruction and teachings of our elders. How do we teach it so that ears aren't offended? I, if the flesh is offended and my flesh is offended and, and, and convicted, then that's fine. Let the flesh be offended and die. But, So that something that isn't common can yet be preached and understood. I don't know. I'm open to suggestions. He was talking to me first, but I mean, you're preaching generally to, to Christians. So is Luther, right? So they want to hear. I think it would be good for them to hear that there is there is instruction there is hope you know so if we preached we're sinful 
we're nothing but sin, there's nothing we can do. And things are left like that. That's that's the way it's been explained to me. Talk to me. It's like, so what do we do? You know? We're 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 always talked to like we're we're heathens, you know? And and there's nothing we can do, you know. Oh for any word of encouragement, you know, any word of this reward is mine, you know. It's just looking for looking for where's where's my salvation I heard that I heard that in the when when I was under condemnation to such an extent that I couldn't physically stand and I, I trembled in fear and had to lay down on the couch under a blanket because I couldn't stand on my feet in process of time I heard a word we can be thankful that one has died for our sins that Jesus has taken them to the cross and paid for them and that was the gospel that released me that's what I heard that brought salvation unto my, my heart and soul. It was what Christ had done for me. Sin and grace, very basic, plain matters. There's a, another matter, and I don't know exactly verbatim how you stated it, but you called, you were calling someone preachers of unbelief. Who were you referring to in your last sermon? And you stated it twice. I think that I was sitting in this dining hall and people were wondering, what is that? If you preach forgiveness, sins, you're, it's a preacher of unbelief? That's strange. Yeah, that'd be very strange. Yeah. Well, that's how it was perceived. So nice. what, what were you, who were you referring to as a preachers of unbelief? I believe that I described it well, and I'm not going to judge men. You described it well. You can't describe what you were you were you, you were talking about. You're yeah, talking about Caleb and and the spies. I understand that. We are justified by faith. So, are you against preaching repentance and confession and absolution? Absolutely not. But any uh, demand put before justification by faith is a stumbling block. And so, that was the whole intent, and that is actually what was stated. That there can be no must, you must do this, you must do that, before you hear and receive and believe okay. the gospel and are saved. Okay, so who's demanding that you must do this, you must do that? I've been, I've been around for some years and I've heard a number of sermons in my lifetime and I just stated what I stated. I didn't have people in mind like I'm gonna preach against this one or that one, I just stated what I stated. I'm not out to judge men. Because I know it's been very, very agitating for you when Finland preachers would come and preach. And they've preached a lot of forgiveness, openly. And there seems to be agitation with that. And I'm wondering why. Actually, I don't have a problem with public absolution. And if that's okay. what you're referring to, because it's unique to them. I'm struggling, Steve, with a lot of things. Um, I hear one thing at meetings and another thing from a pulpit, and we've had conversations, it's changed, and I, I don't know what's going on. I'm well, really puzzled you, by that. Yeah, you, you mentioned repentance, and I wasn't talking in that specific place about repentance. I mentioned only confession. It's all I talked about. And so for somebody to say that I said repentance isn't necessary is absurd. But to stress to the people that 
people are taking that if they put away sin, I've heard this from many people. Now if I put away sin, I'm an I'm unbeliever because I'm putting away sin. That's where they're taking whatever's being said is not clear, is not sound. I think it the the word not, the, yeah, it's probably true. Are are we if we would stick to the to the word, and I'm speak, speaking to myself, we're going to be judged by this book, these books here. <clears throat> the word makes known that, right? We're not going to get Luther. Luther's not going to come to judgment and say, "Well, Luther said this," or Lestadia said that. Which their writings are beautiful. If they're taken, their writings are taken in context because we can read God's Word and taken right out of context for what it means. We're all prone to do that. <coughs> That's why admonition is needed. Um, if we're wondering what to preach to awaken the hearts, I mean, there are though. You read from the epistles to revelations, of what, that's instruction for all of God's children. But with regard to what you were talking about, it's true. With regard to what you're talking about, uh, in the sermon, I, I believe the word must was used. Mandate must make confession. And any must put before faith is a stumbling block. That's the, that's well, I'm wondering, are we hearing that? If Are we hearing that? That's my question. I heard that. It's Steve's sermon was very blessing to me from what I've gone through and from what I've experienced is that I came to a place where my confession, it was not my confession. I could not confess my way to heaven. God showed me that there was nothing I could do, that I was total sin, no matter what. I was standing before the gates of hell, and rightly so, he could put me in there. And no, he had to show me that it wasn't in confession. It wasn't in the outward confession. And when you say that, you must, you must confess. Now you've made me, or now I have to work to earn my salvation again. I was just going to say as far as you know, repentance and remission, it's, it's all in the Word, in the power in the Word. And I was just <clears throat> reading one of Luther's, and, um, and he said, where do you find forgiveness of sins? He said, you don't find it. You can't go, there's not a ladder going to heaven that you can go to God. You don't. You said you can't go in the closet and pray. You said you got to go amongst the believers, you know, to hear that word preached, the gospel, and, and to believe your sins forgiven in Jesus' name. It's not your confession. It's not your repentance. It's in the power of the word. And then when when a person has that option, whether he believes it or not, if you hear it preached in the pulpit openly, you have that authority to believe it or not. And you know and. <clears throat> And I guess that's all I'm going to say. When one is led to, and I've talked to Doug, Doug about this too because he's gone through very similar to that. Um, so do we, we say that wasn't a work of God? What wasn't a work of God? To draw us to a place where we can't repent of all our sin? You mean no, God had to bring me there. Yeah, yeah. So is that a bad thing? Would we no. not want our children if that's the way God's going to work? Is that would we, I'm just questioning as a whole for all of us. Would we not want our children? I don't know who's teaching that you must put away every sin, sin away. Who, well, go 
Well, in that last sermon, like I explained to you, I know you explained after, but when yeah. it says that sin committed by name, you must put it away by name. Now that's telling me every sin I can think of. I'm, I'm, it's putting me on a journey again, thinking of every sin that is, I can put a name to, I have to go and confess that. That's what's taught in the catechism. Yeah. Technically, if we look at what the catechism says, this is what's, and this is the whole crux of the issue. We don't need to go round and round on this. The catechism says, what sins should we confess? And the question here is, should we teach what sins must we confess? And I'm just saying, we can't say, we can't put a must before justification by faith. I, I love the catechism. What sins should we confess? That's beautiful. What's the answer? Confess every sin, though. If you look at that there. Which we know in which trouble. Yeah, Troubles. you're right. Sorry. I think. No, you were first. It's, I can, it's fine. Okay. But I guess, I guess for my heart, it was before God showed me that, then yes, it was that I, it, I felt that I had to. And then after, no, it became a fruit of my repentance. Mm -hmm. It wasn't something, that, it's not something I have to do. It's something I, that I do because because it's a fruit of my repentance. Mm -hmm. There's no longer a must there. I don't have to, you know, I don't know how I can explain it right, but. You explained it beautifully. As soon as you say you must, then I must work my way back into heaven again. No, I was just going to read what it says about confession and absolution. I think we're all, it sounds like we're all. May I answer his question? Yeah, he had, he had a question. What is the means of grace? The means of grace is how God comes to the sinner and offers us his forgiveness and salvation. That's how God comes, that's, how, that's the means of grace, God coming to the sinner. He comes by the oral proclamation of the word and by the sacraments. Within the church, there are abundant means of grace, and one of them is confession and absolution. comments on confession and absolution um, I agree with Lauren you know I've been in the same condition and and at times still am you know I, I mean, I'm able to believe that all my sins are forgiven and, and I'm completely pardoned however in my journey I've never stopped confessing and that's what I and I hope you're on guard for this is that there are people who teach that once you come to Christ you no longer need to confess or you no longer and they have all kinds of sneaky ways to get around confession. <coughs> but the fact is, is that a fruit of repentance, like you said, um, part of repenting is confessing. There is no repentance without confessions. And there's no, and that's not saying that every confession is a repentance, but every single repentance, when godly sorrow works, repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, part of the fruit of that you spoke of it, and I've experienced it, and I'm sure all of you have. Part of the fruit of that is, is as it says, um, behold the self-same thing, what carefulness it wrought in you. 
what clearing of yourselves. That's confessing, and you want to be clear of your sin. You want to be void of offense. You want to put away, put off. Um, that's all part of it. What clearing of yourselves? What what indignation? What zeal? What revenge? What vehement desire? That's all the fruit of repentance. And if we're not walking in that today, if we abandon that, we're no longer on the way. Whatever we've experienced prior to that. And I know there are people who slight confession and absolution. They have all kinds of sneaky ways to do it. And well, was it public? And was it this and this? You know, exacting and all that. And this is another example. Um, when Jesus um, was dealing with that woman and with the issue of blood, he made her come and tell all the truth before everybody. Sure, he knew what was what, what exactly her issue was, but he wanted her to be honest. He wanted her to confess it and to make it known, and this is what I've been doing, and this is why I need help. And he made her come and tell all the truth before him and all the people. And I'm not saying we have to do public confessions and all that, but... What I am saying is the Holy Ghost leads us in certain ways, and there are things where we must do. Must is not a bad word when the Holy Ghost is leading us. When he leads us and we have to take care of this or that issue, we had better obey. And there's, I could list a thousand scriptures that use the word must, and it's more exacting. Um, when Ezra and all them um, were, um, when all the people had fallen into um, uh, illicit marriages, they had to confess those certain sins. I mean, there are thousands of examples where exacting sins were confessed because exacting sins were committed. So this wishy-washy, it don't really matter what you confess, that's not, that's not scriptural either. I think we should stick to the, mess, to the message in question. Should the word must be put, must make confession of sin before one can believe, of each sin before one can believe the gospel? We can't put a must before faith. Um, if, if um, I guess the question is asked, what sin must we not confess? Um, what I'm what I'm fearing is what I'm hearing is that is sin a light matter? We heard um, this evening how what nailed to our Savior to the tree. What nailed our Savior? What brought him to the to the hill? What brought him to the hill of Golgotha? What brought him to Pilate's judgment hall? Sin. Was it not? And if God's leading, like He's being, that we must put sin away, I've had that in my life too. And God has led me to a Savior and a Redeemer. But if there's sin we commit, we must not put it away? No, no, that's a question. I'm, not, I'm okay, speaking to all of us. Is there sin that we must not put away? I'll tell you my experience then. After I received and believed the gospel preached to me, then it was a must laid on my heart to go to many people in the past who I had long forgotten that I had, had wronged. And I went to many and confessed to them the wrong that I had done. As a justified man, I did that. Right, so as a justified man, there are some busts that come in our life that we put away. I certainly wouldn't say no. Yeah, I can't right. say no to that. So I'm just, that we gotta be careful that, that 
Even what was said, I don't even know how it was said. To tell you the truth. If it was said wrong, I'd like to know. How what was said? It was referred that I, I had said that you must put every sin away by name. No. And if I said that, I'd like to know because that's not my teaching at home. It's not my, I pray it's not the teaching from the pulpit. If it is, that's, Maybe it all depends how it's said. And, um, but let's not make sin a light batter. Jesus died for sin. He suffered for sin. Only, met, only way sin is forgiven is through the blood of Christ. There's no remission of sin unless there's a shedding of blood. Folks, let's no, not get off the beaten path. If people are going to hear different, they're going to wallow in their sin. Or walk in it. That's why we need the whole Word of God. Yeah, sin is not a white man. No. But when a person is brought to that point where it's their inner corruption that condemns them, they can't. For myself, I couldn't change. I couldn't become better. I couldn't confess it away. I had to go to hell. Period. So how did that come? Well, that's the sin I'm talking about. Through the preached word, though, right? But that's the that's, sin I'm talking about. Sure, yeah. I was yeah. awakened by the Holy Word of God. You know what? When I, went, when I was awakened, I heard, sin. I heard radio... The music that you listen on to the radio it became sin to that preacher. Um, dance halls became sin to the preacher. Sports events became sin to the preacher. As they were preaching what God revealed as their sin, God began to move my heart and say, Brian, where are, what are you doing? He showed me things that I was doing that I must then, down the road, there was a must, I must put them away. The servitude of that sin. But then I also found that I was sinned through and through. And I needed a Savior, and God knew that. And through the preaching of Christ and Him crucified, that I didn't even want to hear, He began to open that matter to my heart, and my heart was able to rejoice that a sinner as I can be forgiven and washed, that my sin, total sin, corruption, all can be forgiven. But I know I'm still on the journey, folks. I still have those sins that, sins that come along that know what the Word makes known as the Word is preached. You must put that away. You can't walk in that. You become servitude to that again. Or we become holy. We're, we, don't, we, we have no longer struggles with our old man. We're of two portions. We're of the new man when we're born of the Spirit. We also have the old man that loves sin, wants to walk in... Am I, am I speaking something odd? No, you're just saying more than we were talking about, but that's fine. But isn't that true? That's what I'm saying. Let's stick to the core of the matter. Of the Word. It's throughout the Word. Sin and grace. Forgiveness and repentance. Is it wrong to teach our children that they need to repent when they do a sin? Yeah, that's what well, I was taught when I was growing up. We must repent. That's true. Yeah. And it became, and it became, also in my life when it was a, a, a work. I'm sorry. You know, but God takes care of those matters. When, the, when, if we trust Him in all kinds of different things, we go through life. We begin to trust Him. God can t knock all those things down. So let's don't cast out something that's good, or teach that children don't. It's okay. Yeah, I don't. I, I think that's a little bit more than we were talking about. And I was talking about, but that's fine, yeah. Thank you.
Oh, I was just gonna say, I mean, I don't know if this is my place to speak here, but uh, uh, what was said, and I think we're kind of deviating off of the subject, what was said was that the preachers of unbelief teach that we must confess particular sins. So it wasn't, it wasn't that it, what was trying to be said or what I believe or what I heard was that do the, do the preachers teach, or those preachers of unbelief who teach that we must confess particular sins, is that right and in, in, in according, according to God's word prior to justification? How many times has this been said that you must, what you're saying? I mean, is this a commonly said thing, matter? Well, what I'm saying is, is, is we must confess particular sins. That's what I, must, or at least then, what I heard. Then my question is, must we not confess sin? Can I interrupt for a second? I'm, I'm kind of confused. Are we talking about what you preached? I don't know. Or what Steve preached? Because I'm... I'm I'm, I'm trying off. to get back to what Steve said. You're talking about what Steve said. Well, Steve was, yeah, he's referring to we're Steve's we're preaching going off of unbelief. We're to what sins we must confess, and what was said was a teacher of unbelief who teaches that we must confess it. Before we can believe the gospel, before yeah. justification. That's, we confess sins no. as justified people so on, is, upon our journey. Is that what you're referring to, that you're hearing that before justification, it's stated, before justification we must, is that what you're saying you're hearing? been in the Christianity for a little while. And even no. if I never heard it, if I said it and no. it was a true statement. No, but you made a statement. Don't yeah. don't watch. No. no. Are we hearing here that before justification, you have to you must put away sin? I'll let everybody judge that for their own selves. I'm not going to judge No, that. I'm asking you personally. No, Do you hear judge. that here? I'm not going to make judgments on that. Then why would you make the statement? Here. I just want to say that um, after I experienced rebirth, I knew exactly what sins that I must confess. I think here what it's starting starting to sound with because. Brian is Brian is feeling that Steve's accusing you. No, I'm asking. What? Well, no, Steve said that the preachers of unbelief, the way you, he's explained, I'm wondering, is it being preached? Not just me. Doug preaches here. Bob that's, preaches yeah, here. That's what I'm saying. You're, yeah. you're saying that he's. You're no, is it here? I want. Is it yeah. here? Because I'm not hearing it. It was in the text. He didn't, yeah. he didn't say that anybody okay. here preaches that. He, he just said, said well, such is the. Well, he wouldn't say yes or no if he heard it here. So I don't know if he was for sure saying. That, we're, that it's preached here. I mean, Walter preaches here. Uh, Tracy preaches here. I mean, are we hearing it? I'm asking everybody. Anybody, are we hearing that? If we are, whoa. I heard it in the text. Just take your turn. Who's next? Are you up? No, somebody else. Okay. Um, I heard, um, I didn't witness this myself because I was serving. I, I think the men's group was serving, but 
Um, when no, I wasn't. I was actually listening. It was, it was when Brian was speaking. Um, some of the ladies said that, and Steve will need to will need to clarify this as I'm or after whatever. But um, Steve had walked out, and um, Joe Holmbo was in the back with you, and he was complaining that is this the old is this the old um, is this the old uh, traditional or whatever and you and him had some kind of a dialogue basically bashing Brian's sermon and um, the ladies were like what and you're talking loudly um, against it and, and whatever so do you want to clarify that for me because I've just heard it second hand from some ladies I can so clarify, clarify that for us too Your turn. Or your next. I mean, I would just simply say that you know, let's get back to what was said. And does this, do these men in this, in this, in this room, do you, do you believe what was said there was wrong? That preachers of unbelief teach that we must confess particular sin. I mean, was that was that? State that again. Yeah, what are you saying? Do people, do preachers of unbelief, where's their unbelieving preachers? They're not here. No, but I'm saying is what what was said there, what was said in that sermon concerning this matter, was it wrong? Wrong. What? I don't know what you're saying. Maybe it's, it's say it over what again. What you when, when I when I I wasn't here, so I didn't hear the preach. Yeah, that uh, preachers of unbelief will say that you must confess each sin. Before you can believe the gospel, you must confess each sin, sin before you can believe the gospel. And well, what do you mean? What are you asking? Is, is this, what do you is mean by each, right each sin? What do you mean by unbelieving preachers? Somebody who would put a work before faith. Anybody? The, I mean, those spies who would do unbelieving spies. Yeah. So we can't believe. Does unbelieving preachers here saying that is what you're saying? Well, there were eleven. There were ten in the text. Eleven counting the devil. And I was referring to the text, preaching the text. The ten spies who said we can't go into the land and well, overcome it. Well, you know, I'm not. That's not what they're saying. They're saying somebody here was an unbelieving preacher. <coughs> no. I, I, to, to clarify, I never, I never meant that. I'm just oh, simply okay. saying what was oh, okay. said. I know what you said, but I'm just saying that somebody's getting confused here. We all are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we all are. <laughs> but no, I, I, I realize what you said now. Okay. Were you going to answer to Ryan before we get away from that? Or? I can I'm answer. I'm going to restate it. I've got to think about it and remember well, my, the whole my thing. Main, you know, like I heard this. I mean, a lot of people were a little bit confused of what you said or whatever and there's some talk well the next Sunday night Brian speaks his text is on, on Deuteronomy the song of Moses and, and in due course it's a psalm of or it's a song of judgment and a song of mercy and in due course he's explaining the different sins and and, and the warnings that, that apply and, and what to do about it when we fall into it we confess them and we need forgiveness and so forth some at some point during the sermon you were in the back in the vestibule area with Joe Holenbo, and some of the ladies that were coming and going overheard 
you and Joe ran and raving about Brian's sermon. I'm just wondering what's that well, one, one thing is for sure, I'm not going to sit here and you're, you're not going to get me and Brian to go at each other. That's not no, going to happen. No, so I don't want to. I'll talk to Brian I don't afterward. Want, yeah, I don't want to do I'm it. just saying, There's something there, like, yeah. what, was, what was wrong with what he was saying? Like, because well, you what can't he said be specific in what was said and what was heard. So, I mean, how can I answer a question? That well, he you was just saying. Want, you just want to throw this big old bucket of worms out there and have me start picking in there and grabbing all the No, I'll, I'll get specific. I'll, I'll nail it right to the wall. The main, the main issue at stake or in you two's discussion was about confessing, confession and absolution, and that's what was in Brian's text. Brian specifically mentioned confessing sins and hearing them forgiven and that, and that's specifically what you two were talking about. So what's your position on it? Yeah, I'll talk to Brian about whatever he said in his sermon. If I need to respond to that, I'll talk to Brian. You were bashing him publicly, so I'll, I thought you might want to explain it. I'll talk to Brian. There's no one amongst us and that. that's what happened. So, so oh, I, yeah, go ahead. I, I just want, you know, what's going on here is, <clears throat> seems to me, a general confusion, and if you want to call it misunderstanding or whatever, of what we're hearing a lot of complaints about. They don't understand what's going on. People don't understand what's going on. It's like, well, you know, that we don't have to repent now? That's not required? I mean, confess it. Confess, confession, absolution, repentance is not required now. Matter of fact, it's spoken against. You know, to some part where confession and confessing our sins is considered good <coughs> work, that's just something we do, but it's not required. I mean, that's that's where a lot of the concern is. I'm know? sure. I am. I'm not. A, I'm not a clear preacher. I'm sure I try to say it, and the words. You know, I could explain it more and better and. I guess I'm just what I am. Ain't much. Well, I was going to say, when God speaks like the Philippian jailer, he just simply says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That's how God speaks. It's all clear. Nothing, nothing great about that. I just wanted to add to when I said that I knew what sins I must confess after experience rebirth. I didn't feel it was necessary for my salvation to physically confess that sin, but just to be possible to bear the journey as a Christian, that it would, you know, the burden would be lifted. I, I feel that relief when I go to a brother and confess a sin. That was my experience. Somebody told me what Carl Pula said once, and he said that uh, uh, I can't remember exactly how he said it. Was something, said something like this though: that when you are born again, and when when uh, you become a Christian, you're ready to die, but uh, until you confess your sins, you're not ready to live. And I, I think I can. I think everybody who's been born again can relate to that. You can't. You can't walk with. You know those sins on the conscience, and I think that that I think that Steve and Brian, I, I I mean, from what I hear, sitting in the bench and listening, I think they both agree on that. That that's our that's our walk is that we both want to we both journey and we both we all 
need to confess these sins that come on the conscience as a Christian. Like, and it's said all these different ways and how and stuff. But when God lays a sin on a Christian's heart, uh, He's going to go confess that sin. That's our journey. That is just part of the walk. And and uh, and thank God for that. That He gives us the strength and the guidance to do those things. But I, I think I think that we all agree on that. And uh, I don't know. Do we all agree on that? I think so. I don't think there's like this big confusing thing here. Unless, unless, uh, unless that's not how somebody believes. And if it's not, say it. But I, I, I think that's how we believe. Or from what I've heard from both preachers. I think it's important that this, if this statement is made by somebody that we don't take, take it out of context or change it and run with it. Let's, let's consider what was said. Take a while. Think about it. Talk to the person. For my own heart. Go slow. Thank you, Rob. I was just going to mention that I had um, I come across a writing by Dietrich Bonhoeffer about confession and communion, and it it was fitting. It's fitting for our discussion today and in the last few weeks and so forth. And it's it's just warming. And what he sums it up, and I won't um, take too long, but he. He describes it under four um, heads, and he says uh, confession and, and, um, and um, uh, bearing our heart, we, we break through to the cross. We break through to community, to um, fellowship with one another. We break through to the cross. We break through to new life, and we break through to certainty. And he mentions that, that that's where the cross of Christ is found in our brother's heart. When we can come and confess our deeds and show what we've done and we can find victory and hope and help, we can break through to new life. We can find power and, and assurance in, in, that, in that article. is precious to me, so I, I put a bunch out in the back there. And then accompanying that was also, was also Luther's communion sermon, which basically deals with the same matters. They're there for the taking. But this idea that Luther somehow taught that confession can be sidestepped or downplayed, or like he didn't believe that at all. And no Christian has. We, we, we want to confess our sins, but it's with the right goal in mind that we would have certainty of our atonement. It's not some meritorious thing. And, and if we're confessing for that reason, you know, it won't be long and we'll be confessing that as well. And we'll be making that known that I am self-righteous and I need help for that too. Well, I think that there's many, many verses in the Bible that exhort us to repent. Christ says, you know, repent. And that I would hope, I would hope that all of the ministers, you know, that are here and that speak from this pulpit, that they would keep in mind, you know, how they say things, what they say, and how they say them, that there wouldn't be any ambiguity or there wouldn't be misunderstanding preach a simple message and if we just preach preach, preach Christ him crucified and, and repentance that's it's a pretty simple message all else what else what, what more can you say what more can you say it's just a lot of people that's all they can understand is a real simple message 
know, like it's been preached many times, you know, like uh, Marty's saying about, uh, uh, who, who was it? Uh, someone else couldn't read or write or anything like that, but he knew, he knew Christ, he knew you know, that he was, he was saved. Well, I, I was just going to say it's a pretty serious matter that you don't just brush it on the carpet. If you got two preachers preaching and one doesn't agree with the other, it shouldn't just be. I mean, it should be brought up and discussed. It shouldn't just be. Um, it's a serious matter. Either it's the truth or it's or it's the or it's false. You know, this should be. You know, this should be brought up and and what you don't. You know, whatever the matter was. You know, it should be brought out. <clears throat> can't have two messages from the pulpit. That, that causes real confusion. <clears throat> yeah, that's sowing seeds of discord. You got people fighting from the pulpit. Yeah, that's, that's awful. Absolutely. It's, it's disgusting. <clears throat> Especially for little children. Never mind us adults. They don't know what to believe. I was going to say, would it would it be too much to ask that the ministers could sit down, you know, on a regular basis and discuss doctrine according to Scripture and according to the doctrines of this church? Is that something that could be done to try to unify the preachers? We have a monthly ministers meeting. But more in a, in, in <laughs> more along the lines of, of doctrine and in accordance with the doctrine of this chair. It's just a suggestion. Have we done? Mm-hmm. We, we do. be helpful I'm just thinking all out here if the ministers just themselves not having any guests or anything just themselves sat down some time and not had guests so to speak at their meetings or you know would that be helpful well I made this suggestion that for a while now just the ministers at the meetings and I mean we don't want to stop somebody if they have something to say they have something specific specific come and come and Say it, by it, all but, means. But but not just to have a... Right, have someone there the whole time. Like open discussion kind of thing, you know. I'm going to be bold. I believe that um, from a lot of discussion, a lot of discussion, there's a Calvinist leaning. And if I have a problem with that, I can't help that. Calvinist understanding of predestination through the foreknowledge of God I'm saved they won't come right out and say that it's not through Christ alone you won't hear him say that it's only in Christ through Christ by Christ that it's spoken as Doug brought out in the meeting the other day and if that's the way you believe confession absolution is out because you don't need it 
because there is no no problem that I've spoken with all these ministers here. There's any problem that justification is outside of Christ and Him crucified. That's not the issue. The issue is if you believe that you're by the foreordained from the foundation of the world that you're saved, because I've never met one that is that believes that that isn't saved. That's the issue here. That's throwing a cat on the table. Thus, forgiveness of sins will be little by little belittled and thrown away because you don't need it. So there it is. Do we believe predestination, election? This is what we got to answer to on the last day in Christ, through Christ, by Christ, in his wounds, as Luther had defined. Steve, you gave me writings of Luther that they must have been before his conversion. You gave them to Paul Smallwood, myself, and I don't know who else. It never pointed to Christ alone as that matter rests, as the word makes known. Can you stand before the people these people here tonight and say your predestination and election is in Christ and his wounds in Christ alone there's no election no outside outside, outside that outside of that there is no election then why is it why is there issue with it? it shouldn't even be brought up like we've heard tonight no, why is it up. a thrust at minister meetings it's steady just a thrust towards that dare you too you've come to me at bible studies after and you've come here and you whisper it to me. You won't say it out loud, but you'll whisper it to me. And you'll say, Brian, there's some of Israel, and I don't understand where you're coming from. Some of Israel are saved and some aren't. Where is this coming from? If it's in Christ and Christ alone, we preach Christ and Him crucified so people can come to find their election and their grace. Why is it an issue? Why is it thrusted just steady? You know, it's come to a point. I don't even want to come to these meetings because of that. I'm being open and up front. I'm the only one that opens my mouth. So thus, I'm the tagged one. I understand that. But you know, I can't sit back here, folks, and say this isn't going on. Okay, I'll answer for my own heart. My hope and salvation is in that gospel of Christ crucified for me that I heard at the first that brought deliverance and peace and forgiveness to my heart, lifted me from hell into heaven. And that gospel of Jesus Christ is my hope yet today. Is he also a daily sacrifice for us? He is my once and for all complete sacrifice for all my sins. Is he our daily life. sacrifice also? Name all the Do sacrifices. Do we need a daily? Yeah. Go ahead and name them all. I'll give you time to name every sacrifice, and I will say that it's Christ. That is in Christ. So let's preach it. Let's not give any hint any different than that. Here's what I learned on Sunday. Because are we, are we not? Are we hearing something different? Folks, are we or not? Here's what I learned in Sunday school. Third article of the Creed. I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Ghost has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith, even as he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth, and preserves it in union with Jesus Christ in the one true faith, in which Christian church he daily and richly forgives me and all believers all our sins, and at the last day will raise up me and all the dead and will give me and all believers in Christ everlasting life. This is most certainly true. 
It was the pure grace of God that reached down from heaven and picked me out of hell and from a world of sinners and brought me to know my sin and to cry out for mercy. And then the gospel was preached, and I came to know the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. That is completely the work of God. I had Amen. nothing to do with that. Amen. Then let's quit going anywhere different from there. That's I pray that that's what we do. If we're speaking spoken word right here, let's do that. God's listening all the time. Not just here. He's listening to us in our conversations that we're talking to people around about us, those that we're close to. What are we teaching them? predestination stuff has definitely been heard here. That's why we had to call Wilford down here. Was it a year ago? I don't even remember how long ago. But that's what the whole thing was about when he came and he talked about predestination. So that has been an issue here for a while. It's not like it's not just it's not like it's not here. So that to clarify that it has been being heard. And we on the board every time anybody preaches we get complaints one way or another. But that's the thing we, that's the thing, and it, it's been going on for years. Like I talked tonight at the, the meeting, I talked to a man that left this church and is very unhappy. He can't find a church he wants to go to, and he said, I can't stand going there. And every time, every sermon I've heard for the last couple of years, the preacher's got to get up and say the word doctrine 10, 12, 15 times. He said, if you take three sermons from 10 years back, from New Ipswich, anywhere, and how many times did they say the word doctrine in their sermons, you'll find it once, twice, or none. It's been, there's been going on. What? Stuck on somebody's yeah. footprints. So okay. yeah. Hold on, I'm not done yet. No. You said earlier that it's disgusting that ministers fight back and forth. Second. You said earlier that it's disgusting that ministers fight back and forth in reference to what Ryan said. You were one of the ones that started the fighting back and forth years ago. Marty preached something that you didn't believe was right. And you know what? I believe that Marty preached something that wasn't right, too. But then you got up there and hammered away at what Marty said. And then Marty got up there and hammered away at what you said and went back and forth and back and forth. And about 40 people left this church within a year because the word of God's not being preached. People aren't talked about what's happening in their life. It's back and forth, back and forth between the ministers. And then it calmed down for a while, and now it's flaring right back up. So it is disgusting. People leave because they're not being fed. And... For a while there, I had the understanding that, you know what, they left because they just wanted to go in the world. They wanted an easier walk. Well, I don't believe that anymore. Some of them, probably most of them did, but I don't believe all of them did. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that, yeah, it has been going. And <clears throat> Steve, we brought you before, the board before. This is, you know, this is, you know, the first time. And... Because of, you know, and I even brought it up that I was hearing two different sermons being preached when I went to church. And one of the important means, I don't know if you remember, but I said, that can't happen. If you're going to destroy a church, that's going to destroy a church. You go one Sunday and you hear this sermon, and then you go Sunday night or, or Wednesday night or whatever, and then you hear, you know, you know two preachers bashing themselves. And we, you know, we asked, you know, both of you guys to, you know, settle down. And now, 
I hear, you know, and I'm a board member, and I'm going to act on this. I'm not going to just put it under the carpet. When there's two preachers going and someone bashing another preacher, I think, like I said before, that's going to be brought to the light. We can't just put it under the carpet. It's got to be brought before the board before more damage is done. And that there has been a congregational meeting called. Are we just going to, you know, push it under the carpet? We have the board hasn't acted on it, but there has been people that want a congregational meeting. I think this meeting is to de determine that where the yeah. differences are and, and define terms and, and talk about it. Maybe the maybe the differences well, aren't. Well, good. I was going to say that the board has acted on it. We're in the process of acting on it. Yeah. Monday night we started acting on it. Now we're acting on it. But in, we didn't want to just make a hasty decision and call a yeah. congregational meeting without getting stuff out in the air first to be fair to everybody. So we are acting on it. So far, it's like every other meeting. We get here and everybody agrees. You know? We get here and everybody agrees. It's like there's no problem. So maybe we should talk about differences instead of just talking about certain things. I think Brian brought out some differences there. He did. Yeah. But, but Steve agreed with everything he said. Yeah. But you know, Steve, there's a lot of that have talked over the years and it's like I don't know what it's right to bring it up without names I don't know all the names and that but you have a track record of what we've been talking about in terms of predestination needing repentance forgiveness of sins that you don't really believe I mean it's there are people up north that have said that you know and it's like I'm I'm, I'm wondering well, why we come together and we're in agreement and then a lot of the sermons cause so much confusion about we don't need to repent you know people hear that it's it's, it's some kind of a subtle message and and it's time and time again we hear that it was just misinterpreted that's not the way you believe well we can't we've got to do something about the misinterpreting then you know <laughs> because it's it, it is causing a lot of problem and it has for years Matter of fact, six, seven, or eight years that I can recall. I remember one time we sat in that table right back over there, a couple of tables put together with Ronnie Coyle. And uh, I mean, he had a he had a huge issue with a lot of your understandings, and we just pushed Ronnie to the side. You know, well, that's Ronnie. You know, you just got to understand that's Ronnie. There's a lot of people now that say he was really right. He was, he was, in a lot of things he was right on, you know. So, I mean, there are issues. There are issues coming up. And, you know, like Brian says, it's like we, we, we're agreeing here, but yet we're hearing something different. There's a subtle message. There's an undertone. Maybe different so, ministers bring up different things more frequently, and everybody has different ways of speaking, different things they're bringing, you know, bringing up. And if one doesn't talk about confession and absolution as much as the other, it certainly doesn't mean that either one believes wrongly on it. So, I don't know what to say. Yeah, I was just going to say that 
as far as like predestination and these things go, um, I don't I don't believe that they're like a, a salvation matter. Like they agreed on those on the things of Christ, what Christ has done. That's where our foundation is, you know. And and it, it seems to me that those are those are the things, you know. It, it's it's like anybody who's discussing Christianity, and, and I was discussing with some people the other day and stuff, and. Uh, you never focus on the things you agree on. And if you do focus the, on anything that you agree on, like how is my journey? And boy, uh, or you know, you can tell them like, boy, I've just been doubting and fearing. I could go to Brian, I could go to Bob, I could go to Steve, I could go to my dad, I can go to probably anybody on the board. And I could say, boy, it's just been, I've been struggling to believe it. You guys can say, you know, you can believe those sins forgiven and, and it's all in Christ's blood. That's where your salvation is. Do not believe the devil when he tells you to go away. And that's our fundamental. That's the that's the core of the church. It seems like in the body of Christ. And and and, and if you discuss, if you, I think that if if uh, we start to just, I, I don't know. In, in my opinion, that if you just start to delve into predestination and 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 the baptism, like we we're just talking, and, and we could go on and on, and it will never end. I think everybody here knows how how the. Uh, I, I well, I don't know for sure, but I think I understand how they believe on it, and and I think that they differ on it. But do I think they're going to agree? No, I don't think they're ever going to agree on those on those things away from the fundamental that that Christ is our all in all. I think we're all in agreement on that, and I think that's the most important thing. And maybe that's what we should hear more. You know, the Book of Concord. Um, you said those people were in agreement. Is that not correct? Concord. Yeah. So in our Christianity, in our in our federation, like new, the preachers in New Ipswich and different places, are you and do you have to believe the same as them? If they agree with the Book of Concord, I do. What I, do you believe? I've not discussed with them to get at odds with them, and so, I've not discussed with the preachers in New Ipswich very much. Quite frankly. Well, it just seems like every time we have one of them here, you guys are waiting in the back or in here, you know, Bernie or Mike or one of them. Oh, I did discuss new birth one time with Bernie, yeah, yeah. et cetera. Well, I think Andrew's right, and we will find that even the writings here, they do not all agree on the side issues. If you look in the voice of one crying in the wilderness on baptism, he says in there that baptism is more for the parents than the child. It can have no effect on the child as far as salvation. Yeah, that I, I just have to disagree with that publicly. Baptism, yeah, well, the, these are the elders that we're trying to uphold as hundred percent true by Christ as a means of grace. So even if we don't understand all of baptism, we must uphold it highly as a sacrament of the, the church instituted by Christ. Well, I'm not saying cast out baptism. What I'm saying is that these books that we are saying are next to the Bible. They differ too. These people differ too. They're men. Did you know that in the Voice of one crying in the wilderness. I, I counted 69 times that Nestorius mentions Luther and the Lutheran confessions, and every time in a positive way. He says, oh yeah. He's used. He was in agreement. Well, but not 100 percent. We just said he wasn't in baptism. Well, you probably, you know, just have to discuss that whole thing. Well, what I'm saying is, that let's don't base these. I mean, these are wonderful writings, but they're not 100 percent true. Necessarily. Right, they're not scripture. That's they're sure. not going to judge us on the last day. Right. 
do we throw them out? No. no. And I know that's not what you're saying. They were helps. Yes. They were helps. They're helps. As I read a book one time, we carry the Bible in the right hand and the writing of the elders in the left hand. Ed Heikio. Yeah, Ed said that. So that's the writing of not even of our faith. Oh. Novel. Oh, okay. Well, I was just going to um, mention that if you were to ask Luther or Lestadius or Rosinius or, or any one of the, you know, the modern elders that we have, Carl, any of them, were you, were you born again in your baptism? All of them would say, you know, they'd recount their conversion and say, well, actually, I was born again. Luther would say, I was born again when, when the gospel was revealed to me, when I, you know, the just shall live by faith. That's when I was born again. Lestadius would say, I was born again when, when um, Lachlan Mary came to me and preached the gospel to me, when I could finally believe. That's when I was born again. Carl has his own experience. Bob has his. Doug has his. Steve has his. You know, we all have our different experiences. So this hypothetical, I was born again in my baptism, it's, it's not even scriptural. Now, am I slighting baptism? No. It is a means of grace. It is a sacrament. It is. It does have power. It is putting the child um, on a course of God's grace, but it's not. We're you know we're not baptizing with repentance. We're baptizing with water unto repentance, and that's what's got to be maintained. Actually, that's John's baptism. We're baptizing into Christ. I don't believe there's a difference. Water baptism is water baptism, and, and the Word of God is there, and it's associated. So you two are saying two different baptisms? Are you well, those who were baptized by John were later baptized into Christ's baptism in the name of Christ. But, I mean, I don't, I don't that's know. Not, that's not true. Water baptism is done once. Hmm. Being baptized into Christ's death and into, um, into Christ or being baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire the baptism is another entirely different matter. A person can, can uh, miss out on water Jesus. baptism and still be baptized After. into Christ's death and be baptized with the Holy Ghost, but a person um, cannot lack that. You know, we, the baptism, and the scripture um, speaks of there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's the baptism. We need to be pressed into, into the Word of God. Now, when it's speaking about the doctrine of baptism, water is one of them. You know, there's many.